Uh, September's coming. It's just around the corner. I hate to bring that up because I know everybody's like, wait a minute, we just started summer, Kelly. But I think it's very important that we keep our eyes on September and start making plans now. Last month, Education Minister Stephen Lecce told school boards to prepare for three scenarios. Just go ahead and prepare for three. In September, the school year will look like this. Either kids will be learning online, in class only, or with strict hygiene or a mixed uh, with strict hygiene or a, a mix of two, it, like a little bit of a hybrid version. So online only, in class only, or a hybrid of two. So boards are trying to form a plan. It, let me just give you an example here. The Ottawa Carleton board is looking at having half the students in school Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday, they close the school for a thorough cleaning. And then the remainder of students come back Thursday, Friday. So it's like a split week for your kids. What does that do to your work week, I ask you? Two Toronto trustees, Jennifer Story and Rachel Chernis-Lynn, are calling on uh, the TDSB in a meeting tomorrow to ask the province to come up with a workable plan. Rachel Chernis-Lynn joins the show now. Welcome to the program. Good to have you on. Good morning. It's great to be here. I was just talking about the Ottawa Carleton Board and how they're looking at having students, you know, come in. Half of the students come to school Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is closed for a thorough cleaning, Thursday, Friday, the rest of the students come back to school. What are some of the ideas being thrown around by the TDSB? Well, um, you know, to be honest, that's one of the options being looked at. Another one is one week off, one week on. So, you know, half the students would come one week, half the students would come at the secondary level we're looking at different options you know traditionally we've had semestered schools and non-semestered schools where the, you either take four classes for half the year and then the other or in the second half or you take eight all at once now we're looking at things like quadmester so you take two courses at a time or maybe even just one course for five weeks and then you'd go on to your next course and that way you're not having exposure to more and more kids and we wouldn't have to have mixing we could really cohort kids so there are lots of different creative options being looked at but none of them really at this point have everybody in school at the same time full-time right and I'm guessing that none of them have everybody's firm agreement <laughs> well to be honest I don't we haven't been told which model um, if we have to go with a hybrid model we haven't or adapted model as the province is calling it we as trustees haven't been told which one that will be presented to us later this month uh, so 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 I, I think there's just discussion about what are the pros and cons of, of each of those and they're trying to think about what is best for students um, and, and that is really the focus you know the health and safety of students and their educational and um, mental health and well-being as well. So what are your major concerns with the minister's plan of, you know, split between in-class and online learning? Um, What is it that you'd like uh, the province to uh, announce and and sooner rather than later? Well, I'm concerned that the current options, the three options, and I mean, really the third one of everybody back with enhanced protocols, that would mean that, you know, we had a vaccine. I I, I interpret that as, I don't know for sure, but that seems, you know, a long way off. Um, and so when I look at it, I think, well, how, and I've, and I've had, you know, tons and tons of emails from parents who are saying, how am I going to participate in the reopening of the economy and continue to do my job if I have kids at home on different schedules and they're doing part-time learning and part-time in school? It doesn't, it, it makes it 
virtually impossible for working families, for women in particular, who we know carry the load um, of the work at home. No offense to dads, lots of them do a lot. But, you know, this is really something that has traditionally fallen on, on women's shoulders. And then what about single parents? What about marginalized communities? What about low-income families where they can't necessarily work from home? How do you manage this? There hasn't really been, um, that we can see, ambitious or creative plans that, you know, where all levels of government are working together to think of creative solutions that actually allow families to participate in the reopening of the economy and get kids back in school, which is what we know ultimately would be the most desirable, but always, always keeping health and safety first and foremost. So you're not just concerned about the negative impact on kids learning this way. You're, you're concerned about the nev- negative impact on families and their ability to, to make ends meet. I am. I'm concerned about all of that. And, and all of that plays into the mental health and well-being of children, too, right? We know that when families are stressed about their finances, that's not good for kids. When families are stressed about the educational learning of their children, that's not good for kids. So these are all these are all really complicated issues that are tied up. And I'm not saying that there's a perfect solution. But when I look at the funding that's been provided for us for going back and the lack of creative solutions for daycares, for example, I feel like we need to be more ambitious and think more creatively and ask more of our government. Okay, so what are you exactly going to bring up at that TDSB meeting tomorrow? Well, uh, we have created a motion that uh, we've shared with all trustees, and we're bringing that forward, and it asks for our chair to write a letter to the minister and the premier explaining the challenges that we see for working families for in particular uh, children with or families with young children because they can't be home alone right so um, what does that mean for them for for working families for low-income families for marginalized uh, communities and asking for them to work with all levels of government to consider an ambitious and creative um, plan that really thinks about those things. And so some of the things we're asking for are things like a more robust staffing plan for schools, more money for PPE, uh, things like, you know, earlier in the year we had done, I did a motion with another trustee that was passed unanimously by the board asking for transitional funding um, related to COVID for the fall. And we didn't see really any of those things come come to fruition in the GSNs, that's the grants for student needs, that were released in late June. So we're, we're looking at things like, you know, we need more staff, but we also need more money for PPE. The province has, has um, released the number of $4 million that they're investing in PPE for, for school boards. The TDSB, we're, we're suggesting, like when we look at that and we do the calculation, it seems like we'll probably, we're anticipating getting $0.5 million for PPE. That's what kind of PPE are money. we talking about, if I could just interject? Well, think about, you know, if we need to do deep cleaning, we need money for caretaking, we need money for masks, uh, we need money for... Um, face shields. So remember that there are a lot of teachers and educational assistants who are working with kids who may not be able to social distance. So for mm-hmm. example, in a class with students with um, special needs or in congregated sites, I happen to have two congregated sites in my ward. And these are kids who are medically fragile, who have really complex medical conditions. 
the social distancing is not is not going to be realized, right? Like these are kids that sometimes need toileting help. So we've got to p- cover those costs. So at this point, we are projecting that we will have a deficit of over twenty million dollars that we will be paying for with our reserves just for COVID costs because we're not being funded adequately. When it comes to staffing, NDP leader Andrew Horvath uh, asked the government to commit to hiring more teachers, educational assistants, educational workers, cleaners, for example, um, so that we have more smaller classrooms to protect our children from COVID-19. Is that feasible? And you also, uh, I believe you or your colleague have pointed at something that they're doing in the States when they're looking at taking over unused public or commercial spaces that could allow for more room. Is that, could you maybe elaborate on, on those things? Yeah. So, I mean, I I can't think of every single solution to the problem, but I do wonder if we shouldn't be exploring that. For example, that was one of the things that was in the Massachusetts Department of Education suggestions to their boards was to work with municipalities to look at spaces in community centers, for example. But we also have lots of commercial spaces. And so we are calling on the government to work with different with the different levels of government to think about creative solutions. For example, the TDSB has excess space. We have some buildings that have that have been closed that aren't being used that could potentially be open for daycares because once the daycares have to go into smaller cohorts, they're in our schools, but they're taking up, you know, if they need extra space, where do we put our students? We need we need the space for students as well. So uh, these are challenges that school boards are facing. I mean, you think about an urban school board like like in the city of Toronto, we have a space issue. In my ward in particular, all of my schools are overcrowded. So yes, we do need extra staffing, but we also need places to put those kids. And so I think the focus for us is really thinking about um, our youngest learners who maybe aren't um, as, as predicated to be able to learn online as potentially a high school student. And it's not to say that online learning is great for high school students either, but we do have, we face particular challenges in terms of working families, in terms of kids who can't yet read or who aren't efficient typers, um, how their learning is going to occur on the days when they're not in school. So we are asking for um, our municipality and our federal government and our provincial government to think about creative solutions that would allow to get you know more kids back in school and especially our youngest learners uh, but we are also asking things like you know you asked about PPE um, we're considering like it, it goes into a whole host of things do we need to have more testing for staff I mean we need to make sure our staff are protected too it, it it's not just about um, our kids in the school but we have to protect everybody and think about what the impacts of this part-time school mean, especially long-term, because this might not be for just, you know, the first month of school. This could be long-term if we don't have a, you know, a vaccine in the next six months. It seems to me with everything you're talking about here, creative solutions equals a lot of dollar value here. And, uh, and, and that's really, I'm guessing why you want the province to get on it as soon as possible and try and come up with a way to work with three levels of the government to make sure that you get these creative changes that you're looking for. That, that's it. I mean, in a nutshell, that is, that is a big part of it because we've just had the release of our GSMs. And so when we're looking at them and thinking about how do we make this work, that's a, that's a big concern to us. But also, I think we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that if people aren't able to participate in the reopening of the economy, if they're not able to work, 
what does that mean for Canada's economy? What is the value of that work? And how does that bring back our economy um, into full fruition? So, so there's sort of bigger questions here. It is about our base budget and, and how that translates into getting kids back into brick and mortar buildings. Um, but it also, it also has bigger implications for the economy as a whole, I think. Rachel, I want to thank you for your time and best of luck at your meeting to tomorrow. Thank you for taking the time to uh, to make this issue as important as we feel it is.